There has to be some common sense. Yes, sir. They have the car stopped in town and branch microfiber. We still don't know who pulled the trigger. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, retired NYPD Sergeant Bill Cannon, and with me today is retired NYPD detective and straight out of Brooklyn, Phil Grimaldi. How are you doing today, Phil? I'm doing pretty good, Billy. How about you? Pretty good. You know, uh, this case is uh, really a heartbreaker. And sure. one thing, we see law enforcement doing everything correctly, doing everything uh, that we we just t- t- uh, tip our hats to them. Every investigative step they're doing right now, we have thought we've thought of, and not not patting ourselves on the back, but they're doing it correctly and they're doing it methodically. Now, the biggest thing now, of course, is to find Cassie, you know, and the the arrest of Marcus Spanavello was so important. The fact that he didn't flee the location because the answers to where she is lies it with him, whether or not. He speaks to the police or he lawyers up. We don't know what he's done so far. The evidence can tell a story. And sometimes the evidence speaks to us when a suspect or the person involved will not. So we're hoping that the evidence will speak to us and that they'll they'll be able to find uh, Cassie. And of course, we hope that she's recovered alive and well. But today is a week. Today is one full week that she's been missing. Uh, it'd be extremely optimistic based on all the facts and circumstances in this case. We can always hope. However, the facts and circumstances and the evidence is pointing in another direction right now. And based on our experience, something egregious has occurred. And law enforcement and the family and the public have to stay on this because that's the only way we're going to get closure for the family and recover Cassie. Billy, uh, unfortunately, uh, that's the way the uh, outlook looks at this point. It's not uh, very promising that she will be returned safely. However, there's always the outside chance uh, that she could have been secreted someplace and held against the will. But uh, let's pray for that, that she she is alive. Um, However, like you said, I think all of the things that we talked about, the stuff that we would do if we were presented with this missing person, missing person case investigation. Um, I think that uh, all of the uh, steps that have been taken have been uh, taken properly. Um, I'm just glad that uh, we have the safe return of uh, the daughter, uh, Sarah. And, uh, you know, I think we have to now maybe uh, follow the the leads, uh, follow the evidence. Uh, The cell phone technology is probably going to be key in, um, uh, you know, really digging down on the searches, the search areas uh, to lead to uh, Cassie's, uh, uh, you know, whereabouts. And um, I think that the next steps will probably be some type of a court appearance where they'll uh, uh, have him uh, extradited from Tennessee back to Florida to face the charges that already stand. So what we're going to be looking at, obviously, is going to be uh, upgrading of charges at some point when uh, you know, the evidence plays out and uh, we do locate 
Cassie. Uh, at some point, uh, I would think that uh, he'll be remanded based on all of the facts of the case. So uh, there's a lot of work yet to be done, um, even after uh, Cassie is located. Uh, there will be a lot of stuff that has to get done. And, um, you know, there's just so many things. I did some research earlier and uh, we'll talk about the motives later because uh, there was definitely motive in this case based on uh, interviews of friends and family members of Cassie. So uh, that, I guess, right there is the latest arrest photo of uh, Marcus Spanavello. I believe that was from uh, Tennessee after he was uh uh, detained and arrested in Tennessee. So, uh, yeah, they, uh, that's the look of, uh, someone who is uh, quite guilty in my opinion. Yeah. I'm going to share the screen with this little news report on his arrest. Uh, most people have seen this. Um, let me just grab this off the, okay. Hold on one second. I'm just, Little technical difficulties here, folks. I'll get it. I'll get it together in a second. Um, that that tip line is very important. Obviously, okay. Here, here we go. Has been made, and the person who saw her last now behind bars. Fox 10's Lacey Beasley has a timeline of events leading up to this arrest. Lacey. Well, Lee, Carly was last seen at Juana's Pagoda's Grill in Navarre Sunday, meeting Marcus Bonavello during a custody exchange of their four-year-old daughter. According to investigators, he was the last person to make contact with her. And six days later, he's now been arrested on charges related to her disappearance. 37-year-old Cassie Carley, described by friends and family as a devoted single mother to her four-year-old daughter, now missing for six days. According to Santa Rosa County Sheriff's Office, she was last seen at this restaurant in Navarre Beach, meeting the father of her child, Marcus Spenavello, during a custody exchange. And since then, she hasn't been seen or heard from. Her father reporting her missing Monday. Her car found Tuesday with purse still inside. Usually you don't go four days without hearing from them or them using a credit card or a cell phone or something. And right as of now, we have none of that. Wednesday, Spanavello was tracked down in Birmingham with their daughter. Investigators drove up to interrogate him, though Sheriff Johnson did not reveal what was said. And three days since that interrogation, Spanavello has today been arrested by the Tennessee Bureau of Investigators and Highway Patrol in Lebanon, Tennessee, charged with tampering with evidence, giving false information concerning a missing person, and destruction of evidence. Meanwhile, the desperate search for Cassie is still underway. Family and friends have been organizing foot searches all week, and a Facebook page is dedicated to finding her. They're a strong family. Cassie's probably one of the strongest women I've known. If you knew her history and the things that she has overcome in her life, you would think, wow, this woman is Wonder Woman. Just holding on to hope that we're gonna find Cassie and be able to bring her home. According to a GoFundMe page set up by Cassie's sister, their father received a text from Cassie's phone shortly after meeting Spinavello, saying she was having car problems, though the family has reason to believe it was not sent by Cassie. And in regard to her daughter, investigators say she is safe. Folks, we have recapped a lot of this story, but for those that haven't been listening, uh, he was actually arrested Friday night, which would have been, I believe that would have been April 1st. 
And it wasn't announced. He was arrested uh, in Tennessee on Friday night, approximately 11 p.m. And it wasn't announced until the next day at around 5 or 6 p.m. that he, in fact, was in custody. Obviously, the police in this this, um, investigation is keeping very, very closed mouth. They're keeping all the facts and circumstances to themselves. We don't know what the results of his interview are. Uh, Did he lawyer up? Uh, They haven't disseminated any information out to the public via a press conference or saying anything. So one of the things I question is how do the folks, the sister and the family and the members of the community, how do they know where to search? You know, that could be helped by the police giving them little tips from the interview and the interrogation if they got any useful information as to where they could search. One of the biggest things I like to do in a major investigation is to review the case every day or so and put things to do and write down one through 10, one through 50, one through ever things to do. And on the other side of the page, I like to put things done. So we don't have redundancy. We don't do things over and over again that we've already completed because that's a waste of resources. It's a waste of uh, uh, investigative technology. So things done and things to do. So, so important. And as we go on in the show, I'm going to go over some of the things that I think needs to be done, perhaps has already been done by the investigators. But now we have Marcus Spenavello on ice, basically. He's under arrest. He's not going anywhere, but for now anyway. I don't know how long they can hold him in on those charges. However, you know, as they keep digging, as he's inside, uh, they come up with more and more information. Uh, As Phil said, the next step will probably be to extradite him back uh, to Florida. Whether they can extradite him back on these charges, these charges are not like uh, extremely strong, strong charges that you would think someone would get extradited on. He's charged with tampering with evidence giving false information concerning a missing person investigation and destruction of evidence. If they can connect that to uh, a homicide, then it's a whole different story. But right now it's connected to a missing person. So uh, it's a little bit different for right now, but uh, it's still until we recover Cassie in some way, either alive or we recover and prove that this in fact is a homicide. We have to move very gingerly, but with the thought that, He's in, he's incarcerated. He's in jail right now. You know, Bill, I think when he does go before a judge, um, the prosecutor who is handling the charges that you just mentioned would probably make the case and say that uh, her whereabouts are unknown at this time, Your Honor. And based on the information that we have, they may even speak about specific evidence that was recovered in the car. Because if you looked at the press conference from the other day, by the uh, Santa Rosa County Sheriff's Department. They did make mention of her purse being found in the car. However, they said, we're not going to discuss anything else that was found inside the car with regard to evidence, I guess. Uh, They weren't real specific about it. It sounds like there was other uh, things in that car that they didn't divulge, which is 
protocol for uh, any type of investigation of this nature. So I think that uh, the prosecutor will make the case, Your Honor, uh, here are the charges that we have. This is what we're going to go forward with. However, we feel that the disappearance of Cassie is related to Marcus and uh, with the continuing investigation and the continuing search, uh, we hope to uh, find her whereabouts sometime in the near future. And based on whatever they're going to put forward, we would like for Marcus to be remanded to jail pending upgrade of charges. So I think that case will be made. I don't see it as a big stretch that a judge would go along with something like that, at least a high bail, if not a remand. So that would be the uh, the steps that I think would be taking place over the next couple of days. Obviously, we spoke about that he's in Tennessee. He has to be brought back to Florida. Uh, there'll be some type of an extradition that may take a few days. Uh, and then who knows what's going to um uh, you know, uh, unfold or develop in those days. Um, the investigation has been pretty tight lipped so far with regard to uh, internal uh, goings on in the investigation. Uh, you, you mentioned that uh, it wasn't really released, uh, that he was in custody until almost a day later. So uh, again, we have uh, him on ice, like you said, he's in custody. That's what we like to do when we're zeroing in on a suspect. If there's something that we can hold them on so that we don't have to do surveillance and we know where they are, we don't have to worry about a person fleeing as what happened in the uh, Gabby Petito case with Brian Laundry. He fled and he wound up committing suicide. So as long as we have the person on ice, we have them in custody. Uh, they, they tried to do that in the Gabby Petito case uh, with the unauthorized use of the credit card, basically. Uh, however, he was able to slip through and he got into that uh, preserve and he later committed suicide. So now that we have him in custody in this case, uh, all the wheels can move forward, the investigative wheels, the uh, wheels of justice, and all of the different moving parts that are going on right now. And, um, you know, I, I'm very certain that there's going to be uh, much higher criminal charges going forward in this case. Andrew, on the chat, they charged the ex, but no body found. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Andrew, you're not totally wrong. They charged him with, uh, as I said before, tampering with evidence, giving false information concerning a missing person investigation, and destruction of evidence. They have not recovered uh, a body. They have not recovered uh, Cassie alive, or that there's no way they can, uh, they don't know if, in fact, she's alive or dead at this point. Uh, so Those they charges cannot... seem to be billed that that's stuff that they could prove at this particular juncture. Obviously, they haven't recovered her body. They haven't recovered her. So there's nothing related directly to her. But those are the three things that they came up with that they could probably prove at this point that he destroyed some type of evidence. And, uh, you know, the other things that were mentioned, lying during missing purse investigation and, uh, you know, tampering with evidence. Delana. Uh, Mr. Cannon, Mr. Grimaldi, hello from Pittsburgh. Thanks for all you do. We appreciate you, Thin Blue Line family. Thank you so much, guys. All you folks in the chat, Jakey, you're a new member of the Police Off the Cuff uh, YouTube family. Thank you much, so much for joining us. Folks, this is Police Off the Cuff, real crime stories. If you like uh, real crime stories from a police perspective, please join our YouTube family. Go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, ring that bell, and give us a thumbs up. If you want to support us, we have a Patreon with three different levels. And we also have a YouTube membership, family membership, which you can, there's five different levels. And we'd appreciate all your support. 
you know, folks, this case uh, is not unlike many of the other cases um, that we've covered and that Duty Ron's covered and some other police um, content creators on uh, on YouTube have covered. And I mentioned police because we've done this before. We've done these major cases. We've done these kidnappings. We've done these missing person cases. We've done these missing person cases where potentially there's a homicide involved. And we know what it takes to investigate these cases. Many of these, um, uh, some of these folks are guessing what, what should be done, and I'm not putting them down. They just don't have, they don't come from the same background, the same level of experience we have. When I talk about investigative steps, you know, the FBI is involved in this case right now. And one of the reasons is, of course, because uh, the per perpetrator in this case crossed state lines. As soon as someone crosses state lines in furtherance of a crime or a felony, the FBI gets involved. In addition, probably the local police asked for their assistance. The FBI has all those um, toys, that uh, investigative toys and resources that local law enforcement doesn't necessarily have the resources to have. Folks, I just want to go over some things when we talk about the investigation. Um, and that's TIPS. So simple. Tips. Tips are so damn important, you know. And every major investigation has what's known as a tips log. And there's actually a detective assigned to this tips log in a major investigation. And when people call in in tips, the detective assigned to the tips log will take the tip, log it in, and assign, and a boss will assign one or two detectives to investigate that tip. Sometimes 90% of the tips, 95% of the tips mean absolutely nothing. They're a dead end. The 1%, 2%, 5% are very, uh, are very fruitful. And when you have a, a, a case like this, that's almost at an international level. It's known all over the world. Tips come pouring in. And it's important to the public, the eyes of the public. And we say it ad nauseum. If you see something, say something. People saw something out there, you know. People saw Marcus out there at some location. People saw his really gaudy-looking huge, there it is right there, that huge trailer that he pulls around, I believe, with a Chevy, a black Chevy SUV. So people have seen that. You know, here we are. Here's the area of where they met. Uh, people have seen something around there. So call it in. Call in a tip. Call tips into the police. Let them decide whether the tip is fruitful or not. You know, there it is, report a tip, 850-983-1190. It's so, so important. Again, ad nauseum, we say if you see something, say something, and that is 100, 1,000% true. Absolutely, Billy. That's so important, and we've seen it in many other investigations where a tip, uh, specifically, I'll bring up the Gabby Petito case again, that tip uh, from the Bethunes, uh, when they saw on social media the uh, outpouring of interest in the case that she had been missing, and they had knew that they had been in that area, they went back, and in their video, they found the van, uh, which led to the recovery of Gabby's remains. So that was so, so important. I'm glad you read the number. I'm going to read it one more time. 850-983-1190. That's the Santa Rosa County Sheriff's Department. 850-983-1190. Anybody from that area that saw anything related to uh, Cassie's disappearance, that vehicle that you've shown so many times, Billy, uh, if it's uh, something uh, you think might not be important, 
let the officers decide, let the investigators decide, call it in. It may be nothing. Like Billy said, there's a percentage that are usually not very useful in the investigation. However, it is that percentage that are, it could be something that's very important. It may lead to the recovery of Cassie. Folks, another investigative step is results of interviews. Probably hundreds of people have been interviewed regarding this case. And one of the things that we didn't realize on Wednesday when the police went to Birmingham to visit Marcus, at that point, he truly was not, well, you know, the person's closest, the person's last to see someone that's missing are always considered, in my mind, a suspect. We hear that term all the time, person of interest, which drives me crazy. I feel like pulling out the hair that I don't have when I hear that. Uh, But it's used many times, mostly by the press, sometimes by the police to shut down their true intentions from the press. So they'll say uh, he's a person of interest or he's not a person of interest. But they're always reluctant to use the word suspect until they have something. But So the results of interviews and all the interviews they've done are so, so important. It turns out on Wednesday, uh, the police did call the Bureau of Child Welfare, Bureau of Child Services, whatever they're called in the state of Florida, and they did remove the kid. That was not publicized. We did not know that. In fact, that was that was one of the things we said. They got to take that kid. They got to take that kid. We and were pushing. They that. had taken the kid that Wednesday, that very day. So we didn't have any more worries regarding the four-year-old uh, daughter in question and uh, uh, sailor. We had we had no more worries, but we, it wasn't publicized. So you can see how closed mouth that the police, and for very good reason, they're staying in regards to this case. Real with Robo. Thank you for the $5 super chat. The kids in the fam say hello, Cannon and Mr. Phil. The kids love when they catch your show. They love you both. Thank you so much. It's always good to be loved. You know, not everyone loves us. So we like when we do get loved, but that's, that's for sure. Right, Phil? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I just want to make a little comment about what you were talking about, how when you first start out on the case, uh, somebody's reporting a missing person. Uh, he's not a, he's not considered a suspect until he makes himself a suspect. And what I mean by that is this. Look, the protocol is we're going to talk to the last person that spoke to or knew that the person was, uh, you know, their whereabouts, what their whereabouts were. So when you go to speak to him, I'm going to have an open mind. I don't know who he is. I don't know what he is. I'm going to get some information on a missing person and I'm going to go talk to him. Now, his responses, the things he says based on, uh, you know, what he's going to tell me, that's what's going to put him in the suspect category. Now, I'm not going to publicly talk about whether he's a suspect or not, but I think it's going to be uh, wherever the investigation take you, wherever the leads go, that's the road that you're going to go down. You're going to have a little bit of information from the family. You're going to talk to him. Once you get a, a background on what he tells you, you're going to have information. Now you're going to go try and look and to see, to back up, to corroborate that information. If there was a, a trip from where he said he was to drive her to some location, let's go check that out. And when you find out that it's not true, again, that's the red flags that start to pop. And that's when he starts to really narrow down on a suspect in, we don't know what happened. We're, he's a suspect in her disappearance, that her whereabouts are unknown. So that's where we go with that. And listen, publicly, like you said, Bill, a lot of times uh, law enforcement's not going to label a person a suspect or anything like that because it's going to change their behavior. It's going to make them react in a different way toward the police. We want information. We want cooperation. That cooperation does one of two things. It either makes you a suspect or it removes you from being a suspect. So that's the, the, the balance that's played in investigation. So cooperation is key for us. 
We want them cooperating, telling us information. And if they're not involved in it, the information that they give us, we're going to follow it up. We're going to look at it. We're going to try and corroborate it. And we're going to maybe eliminate that person as a suspect. So it works both ways. And that's just the way investigation goes. Um, you know, and I just want to make that point that, uh, you know, it's protocol. First person you're going to talk to is the last person that's seen that person that's missing alive. So, or, or you know, their, their, their last known whereabouts. So that's just standard protocol. Suman Sri, I, I love to uh, uh, to read all of these gushing things that you guys say about us. Just joined, newly subscribed. You guys are awesome. You and Duty Ron compliment each other. Four cops are more awesome than two cops. Thank you, Suman Sri. So nice Very to nice see that. Compliment. Lieutenant Pete, Lieutenant Pete, I saw that picture you posted on um, Facebook of you when you were a young cop. I'm going to post it one of these days on our show. I, I was going to do it today, and I thought maybe it wasn't uh, appropriate to do it today, but I'm going to do it. In the very near future, um, DP Infamous, who hauls around a big obnoxious trailer just to drop off a child? DP Infamous, for for your information, and we don't, this isn't confirmed, but we have our doubts that he ever was delivering the child back that day. We think he was there by himself, and that's why he uh, he probably made the plot to do something bad to Cassie and uh I'm sure the police know now, we don't know, it hasn't been released, whether or not he, in fact, had Sailor with him on that uh, Sunday night uh, that he, you know, he met with Cassie. That's very doubtful. And there was, I'm sure they know all they had to do was interview the woman who usually babysits for her. And that would answer that question. Folks, another investigative step that is, in our day and age, probably one of the most important things is video. And there is video everywhere, you know, and people had even said, was there video in that parking lot? I can't answer that question. Was there video in that restaurant? I would say there's probably a 95% chance there is video in that restaurant. Was there video in the beach parking lot? I don't know, but good chance there is. There's video all over the place. How about when we talk about video expanded to toll booths, right? License plate readers, Traffic wherever he's traveling along the road, if they can tra they can find his path based upon cell site hits. They can also marry that to video. And it's such a powerful, powerful investigative tool because not only does it give you a picture, but it gives you the time and the place uh, where the person was when the video caught his image. So, so, so important. And it's such a powerful uh, piece of evidence. And it's one of the most important investigative steps that invest and are very tough to do for investigators because it's not like they say, Oh, give me that video. They have to watch the video. It's very labor intensive to pull video and watch it and to see if it's worthwhile to actually pull it. There's also red light cameras, as most of you guys know, they're all over the damn place. Could he have run a red light or could he have just got caught in a video camera that's on the road? There's traffic cameras on roads that just take a picture of the traffic to see what the traffic is at a very specific time and place. So video, as I said, is an investigative resource that is just invaluable. 
Uh, Billy, it's very, very good point that you're making. And recently in New York, there was a killing of a young uh, 19-year-old girl in a Burger King in Manhattan, in Harlem. And the video surveillance was obviously on inside the location, captured the whole shooting. Uh, she was unfortunately killed after uh, you know, giving over the money during a robbery. But the point I'm going to make is, is that the video of him leaving the location, they were able to track him down into the subway all the way back to Brooklyn with video cameras showing almost exactly where he lives. So the, the age that we live in today with video cameras, they're very, very important in investigation. Um, you made the point that we don't believe that uh, Sailor was with him on that day. That just goes to the premeditation of his actions. Um, I saw some video earlier today doing a little bit of research on it of a friend of Cassie's talking about how uh, she had been taking him to court and he was going to have to begin. He hadn't paid any child support in over a year. And the, the uh, family court apparently had ruled that he was going to have to stop paying this child support. That's what the big argument and battle was between uh, Cassie and Marcus. And uh, she actually made a statement to one of her friends that she was considering uh, arming herself with a firearm that she was going to consider getting. She goes, I think I may have to get a gun. So she was obviously in fear. This sounds like this whole thing was premeditated. If he knew that he was going to bring harm to her on that day at the exchange, which he changed at the last minute, it's very likely it would, you would think that he might have kept the child out of that situation, whether he left that child in another location by herself or he left with a babysitter. I guess that's yet to be determined. Um, I think that, uh, you know, there, there's obviously probably interviews done with the person that did watch the child from time to time. And they'll they'll know whether or not they'll be able to put the whole puzzle together at some point. There's going to be some missing pieces at some point. But uh, after intensive investigation, they're going to be able to put the whole thing together. And that motive, I mean, she was in fear for quite a while. So it's there. Uh, I talked about it yesterday, how a lot of these predators, I'm going to call them a, a domestic violence predator, uh, they have this tunnel vision where they don't see anything but, uh, you know, what their goal is that they want to either take the person out or take the child or get back with the person and they become blinded to reality. And I think that's one of the things that must have happened in this case because there was no chance of him getting away with what he did or, you know, what he thought he was going to do. So uh, it's really like a, a phenomenon that occurs with these, uh, you know, we, we were talking about earlier, Billy, that we wanted to do a show on the anatomy of these uh, domestic violence abusers. And I think maybe we should do that going forward. Yeah, I think we have uh, quite a few people that could come on the show as uh, domestic violence experts. Uh, sec two, number one, uh, Taylor would have been a witness to whatever happened and may be able to explain something no one else knows. You know, sec two, number one, we went over that yesterday. A four-year-old, uh, and I know everyone's going to say, oh, my four-year-old could be a witness. A four-year-old is not a good witness, all right? I, ha I had a four-year-old one time uh, witness a double murder of his grandmother and her boyfriend. Nothing, nothing. She couldn't say a thing because she was so traumatized by it. And you got to realize she's only four years old. How do you cognitively take that in? How do you explain what happened? A four-year-old really can't. So uh, when you talk about a four-year-old being a witness, uh, I don't think that uh, that's they're really a good witness. So I'm going to play a little bit of this here. Um, this is the, the, the family and friends. Uh, Mary Rabley, thanks for the $5 super chat. How does this non-citizen affect the legal process? We'll go over that in a second. 
But the family and the friends are doing such an amazing bang-up job of conducting these searches and keeping their wits about them as they do this, as they talk to the press, talk to the police, and ask the public to help them out with this search. Applying it today, this is a constantly fluid, changing situation that we, as Cassie's friends and family, are really just doing the best we can. Luckily, one of Cassie's great friends, Sam Graves, has um, passed law enforcement. We've it's amazing the village that Cassie has built that have come together and are literally just putting all of our heads together and sharing and searching and thinking and praying that she gets to come home. Um, And I just want it to be known too, that my sister was in the best place. She was so happy and hopeful for the future. And there is no reason to believe she would ever choose to do something like this on her own ever. And she would never, ever leave her daughter ever. The only time Cassie has not had her child during her custody time, which is 85% is when Marcus has taken her previously against the law. And we've had to get the law involved to get this baby back two weeks later. This has progressed. This has been escalated. And we want this to be a lesson for every future Cassie, that this needs to stop, that this is not okay. It's becoming all too often. And we're not having it. We're not having it. Yeah, she disappears right, right before he's got to pay. We will not be quiet. Yeah, yeah. We will not. Yeah. yeah. Right before he's got to pay. pay all the attorney's fees. Like child child money too. Yeah, it's just sad. What is the plan for today? I know that there have been routine search efforts going on all week. And, and some of the video that we'll play here, you'll see some of the search efforts. Um, before we let you go, where is the family? Where are you guys heading? And uh, what is the plan as the search continues for Cassie Carley? You know, folks, this is dated right now. It was from the other day, but they're still continuing the searches. I'm hoping that they're being updated by law enforcement as to where the most fruitful places to search would be. Hopefully they're getting information. John Donahue, thank you so much for the 999 Super Chat. Patience seems to be a major factor with these cases. Love New York homicide on oxygen. Yeah, we had a chief voice on the other night who is a former chief of detectives of the NYPD who is involved in that case. Share Bear, thank you so much for the $10 super chat. Folks, this is police off the cuff, real crime stories. If you're not subscribed to us, please go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, ring that bell. If you want to support us on our Patreon, there's three different levels. And if you want to become a member of the YouTube channel member family of Police Off the Cuff, you can go on our website, Police Off the Cuff, and join us five different levels. You know, folks, this is so difficult. Um, Elisa Hodges, Cassie is the victim. Marcus is a monster, period. We all agree with you. That's so true. Um, We have to depend on law enforcement putting this case together, you know, and doing a methodical, methodical investigation. Real with Robo, him being a non-citizen doesn't affect the legal process unless he ran into another country that doesn't extradite or doesn't unless the death penalty isn't on the table. Beyond that, he will go through it. That's pretty pretty on the money, uh, real with Robo. It does, I don't think in this case, his immigration status really affects this case one bit. However, you know, uh, the, the horror would have been if he would have fled the country uh, with the child. That, that would have exacerbated all of these things. Uh, 
Saul T, if someone always wants to argue with me about this, I would have to disagree. Four-year-old can have a lot of information. You don't have any memory of when you were that age. I got a comment on that. Yeah, go ahead. I know. I just want to say to Saul T, I'm not basing it on when I was four. I'm basing it on experience of dealing with four-year-olds that have witnessed horrendous crimes. And I'm going to tell you, they're not good witnesses. I had them invest, interviewed by psychologists that specialized in uh, with special victims and interviewing children. I'm going to speak about it like this, Billy. I understand what that man is saying. Yes, I would talk to the child. Maybe there is some kind of information that she could supply to investigators that could be helpful. However, if you take any four-year-old child and you ask them about something that occurred yesterday or last week, they're not cognitively developed enough to say it was yesterday or last week. Now, what I mean by that is that's something that if they had to testify at a trial or a homicide trial or whatever trial it is, they're not swearable because of that fact. They can't discern between yesterday and a week ago or last year, different things like that. Uh, your memory isn't really developed till you're like three or four years old. That's when you first start to develop uh, memories of, of, you know, like years before and, and, and days before, whatever it is. So that's the point we're trying to make. Technically, yes, they're going to talk to that child maybe in a gingerly way. And when, when, anyone goes through a traumatic experience, it's, you can block things out. So uh, especially a child at that age, they may ask a couple of uh, soft questions just to try and get idea. Maybe the kid could spit something out that could be important. But the point that Bill and I are trying to make is, is that uh, for the legal purposes, for the, for the uh, criminal justice system, a four-year-old is just not old enough to be swearable in a court of law. And, and that's the point we're trying to make. You know, some of the things that we're learning about Marcus was that, well, it is actually uh, a contempt of court charge if you refuse to pay your child support. And you can be held in contempt of court because when you go to family court and agree to those things in order to have visitation rights with your child, you sign documents that you agree to pay X amount of money. And if you don't or can't pay it, you, you have to have a, a, an explanation that the court will accept. Most of the time, the court's not going to accept your explanation, especially if you're working and you show income. So that, yes, can be a crime, and it would be contempt of court. Some of the other investigative things to do, uh, the results of checking license plate readers, which are all over the place, uh, cell phone, cell site information, so, so damn important. And when we talk about this stuff, folks, it's not like watching TV and you see how law enforcement or the FBI or all these agencies get this stuff immediately. That's not the way it works. You never get any of this stuff immediately. Financial records. In this case, it's probably pretty important. Was he making money? Where did he last use his credit card, his debit card? That can track him also. Where you use your, your debit, your credit card can show you where you were in a specific time and place. So all of these investigative resources that detectives, the FBI all know about, the information takes time to come back. Um, Let me make a quick point about what you just said. Now, um, specifically in his conversations, he said that he uh, he was going to drive her to a location far away in the middle of nowhere. Now, you made such a really good point. Let's say he used his debit card when he claimed that he was you know 50 miles away. 
let's say he used it at a convenience store or a gas station. There might be video of him. And now you could say 100% you're lying because we have you at this gas station. So those are the things that are so, so important. Uh, another real quick point, Billy, uh, when it comes to child support, uh, when a family court orders that you have to pay and you don't pay, you're in arrears, there's uh, obviously a criminal contempt charge, but they'll take your driver's license away. And if you have income on the books, they will garnish you your salary. So those may have been the motives for him to go completely off the rails and do whatever it is that he did. So I just want to make that quick point. The other thing, of course, he spoke about, uh, you know, financial showing where you're, you're also an easy pass. Everyone has easy pass these days. No right. one wants to sit at a toll for an hour and wait to pay. Or uh, in our day and age, they don't even take, uh, there are no toll collectors or toll booths. So the lights above you will just take a picture of your license plate and send you that bill. And it's exactly. probably 40% more if you don't have easy pass, right? Um, the interview of Marcus um, Spanavello, we have no idea what the results of that were. Uh, my prediction is he probably lawyered up and refused to talk. But if he did speak thinking he can outwit or outsmart uh, the detectives, then potentially the information they garnered from that interview could be invaluable. Um, search the search warrant on Marcus' vehicle and Marcus's trailer. I mean, that is going to tell the story when he lawyers up. Billy, is uh, that is that where he lives, or is that where the trailer's parked? I'm think- not sure. This is they had a picture of where this the trailer parked at this location. I'm yeah. not sure what that location is. Yeah, uh, the trailer was also spotted, um, at at the beach prior. There it is. There's a good picture of it right there. Yeah, a far away picture taken again by someone that has nothing to do with the case. But if you see something, say something. Was taking pictures. And then heard about this case and realized she may have had a picture or has a picture of the suspect in this case's trailer and his uh, his vehicle. So again, how important is it um, to inform the public and have the public cooperate so they can help us in that in this instance potential picture of the perpetrator's trailer? Um, search warrant, of course, on Cassie's car. They know the results of that already because uh, the. The uh, sheriff was unwilling to say what was recovered, uh, what, you know, what it meant to them. He wouldn't uh, go on about that. Her cell phone. We have no idea where her cell phone is right now. Could Marcus have taken it and destroyed it? Because it's clear that he was sending text messages via, here it is, here's one right here, via her cell phone. Uh, if you read this, uh, he writes, I'm sorry, Carl was acting up and I broke my phone. This is supposed to be Cassie. Marcus is working on it. I will stay at his place tonight. He is paying me money to do some stuff around his house. Clearly, um, this is not written by Cassie, and this was confirmed by her sister and her best friend. No, the screen is jumping all over the place. Let me see if if he can't get this fixed, uh, and I'll call you. Why? Did, if, if she was in this type of distress... Why didn't she just call them using his phone? Right. You know, because he was using her phone to text to throw off the investigation. He also told another lie. He told her father that he dropped her off at a specific friend's house. That was a total lie. So you could see right from the beginning of this investigation, Marcus was lying. And he has, when they go through the family court case, 
they can see that he had reason to lie and he had motive to lie. Billy, based on the fact that he probably destroyed the phone or if he still has it in somewhere and it's probably shut off, even though let's say it's destroyed, there's still a fingerprint of the locations when those text messages were sent. There'll be a roadmap of where the phone was traveling as long as it was turned on. And I even made mention that sometimes even in the off mode, it could still send the ping every certain number of minutes or whatever it is. So there's going to be a fingerprint of where that phone was, when calls were made, when text messages were made, that's going to be really crucial and important uh, because they have a timeline of when she was at the location at the Navarre beach location, when she went to meet him to do the exchange. So wherever the phone was from that point, that would be indicative of where they would try to concentrate the searches for her. So I would think that law enforcement is probably working with the search teams um, and th this would be a great time for Dave Raider and Equisearch to come in and, and assist in this, uh, in this search for Cassie that, uh, we know we've had, uh, Dave on the show many times. Uh, he was heavily involved in, uh, I'm sure, if, I'm sure if they ask, they will do that. They will definitely yeah. do that. Mary Rabley. Thanks for the $5 super chat. The family and law enforcement are currently searching the beach area for the phone. When Phil was talking about a fingerprint on the cell phone, what he meant was an electronic fingerprint not a specific a finger fingerprint. He was talking about the electronic trail that a cell right. phone leaves. And you don't even have to recover the phone to, to get that trail. That's done electronically. That uh, data was kept by the cell phone companies, and it's it's kept intact for at least a year. That's the law in the United States that any information related to cell phone technology, that the data has to be kept for one year. So uh, that data is there. They can pull it. Uh, listen, like Billy said earlier, this is not NYPD blue or blue bloods. They don't get it in 30 seconds. Take some time. But however, in a case like this with the FBI on board, it's probably going to be, I would say within days as opposed to weeks. Arctic cat, much love and great appreci appreciation to four police off the cuffs, Bill and Phil. Thank you guys Thank so you much. Uh, real with robo police off the cuff. If she's so worried, she may buy a gun. Why does she think? Uh, anyone's going to believe I'm staying at Marcus's tonight. He's paying me. Th that was totally by him, real with Robo. There's no way if you speak to her family that she she was terrified of him, that she would ever stay at his house. Uh, they knew so that, it was baloney right then. As soon as they read those messages, they knew something was fishy. That was a big red flag for them. They weren't buying that BS. No, 100%. That was total nonsense and... Um, they knew it right away that uh, he was trying to uh, throw off the investigation. We're going to go to a quick break, and we'll be right back. Joe Murray, attorney at law. Have you found yourself in a jam? Are you in need of legal counsel in the New York area? Do you need a victim's advocate? Well, Joe Murray is your man. He's not only an experienced trial attorney, he's also a retired 15-year member of the NYPD. He literally knows both sides of defense. His website is jmurray-law.com. His telephone number is 646-838-1702. Or you could email Joe at joe at jmurray-law.com. The secret to quickly hiring the best police officers before your competition does. With an extremely limited job candidate pool, law enforcement agencies have to quickly identify and hire qualified police officers before another agency does. That's why nearly 70 U.S. agencies have updated their hiring process to include iDetect, a fast, 
affordable, non-invasive, unbiased, and automated lie detector. It accurately identifies lies by watching the eyes. iDetect also helps solve crimes. Convera CEO Todd Mickelson shared stories about how iDetect is changing the way the world detects deception. Remember, the eyes don't lie. Converis.com, 1-801-331-8840. You can email them at info at Converis.com. So, folks, so, this investigation is, you know. So let me just interrupt you for a second. I just read in the chat, the people are saying that uh, Cassie's body was found. I'm just going to do a quick search on the computer to see if that's actually been reported. Well, I would, I'm hoping that's, that's not true. Uh, that's horrible. It's saying the Darren is saying they found Cassie buried in a shallow grave in Alabama. Folks, we don't know if we can verify that. Uh, Joanne Mangieri saying they found her. Um, horrible, horrible. If this is true, uh, we don't know I'm which. Not, I'm not finding any news stories by uh, typical news agencies. Let's see. Hold on. Uh, no, I'm not seeing anything just yet. I mean, that could be. True. Let's see what uh, NBC is saying. No, they're not showing it either. I'm going to try uh, Fox News. Folks, we're trying to verify this uh, live uh, on the air right now. Uh, not so easy to do. Um, there's a picture on the screen of uh, the beautiful Cassie Cauley. This would be a tragedy if, in fact, they did find her. Uh, potentially, if they did... Um, Maybe they got this information from Marcus. Uh, we, we can't verify it right now on the air, but um, we're going to try um, to verify this information. Phil's working on it right now. Uh, just the yeah, whole Bill, I'm not finding anything from any of the major networks uh, about her body being found. I mean, it could be true, but... Uh, None of the major networks are saying. It's uh, according to Angel Donmeyer, it's verified on WFLA by Sheriff Shallowgrave in Alabama. I don't want to, if you want to search that, uh, Google that. Saying live WFLA is saying live press conference on uh, on Fox 10 now. Uh, I, let's see if we can verify this. I have WFLA live. Let's see. I don't know. I don't see anything yet. Be a horrible thing. Uh, I'm not seeing it either. I'm, I'm just. Uh, I'm, I'm pull, trying to pull it up. I'm not uh, seeing any verifiable information yet on the screen. Uh, no, I'm still not seeing anything. Um, no, it's all. Uh, Previous stories. Uh, so, no. folks, we can't verify this. Yeah, we so can't verify that, Bill. I'm not ver no, able to uh, verify it. Yeah, we're not going to try to confirm something that we don't, in fact, know about. Uh, but um, it's um, mayorship claims that um, he's got a lawyer now. Uh, Human, it's saying her phone led them to her body. Uh, it's my we, folks. We can't verify this again. We can't. 
report this if we can't verify it. Someone's saying it's the wrong case. Lieutenant Pete, anything on that? You're saying WFLA live. Um, we can't verify if this is in fact true or false. Um, Fuzzy Doxy, uh, I don't know if it's uh, in fact true. Um, maybe JB. Uh, I, I did find a story about a male body being found 21 hours ago in Navarre near a Winn-Dixie, but I don't have anything. I'm not finding anything about a current story regarding uh, Cassie's remains or body being found. Uh, I don't it's know. Saying, a Real with Robo is saying it's verified they're holding the press conference now. Cassie Cawley body found WFLA website. Let me see. Uh, I'll see if I could pull that up. They're confirming it. Um, News Channel 8. Uh, they have a... Yes, I, I'm finding it now. Live. Body of Cassie found, Deputy Say. One yeah. minute ago, it was. It was. Uh... You want me to read it, Bill? Yeah, I'll go ahead. The Santa County, uh, Santa Rosa County Sheriff's Office is planning on holding a press conference related to the search of Cassie Carley, a Florida woman who went missing seven days ago. Carley was last seen March 27 in the parking lot of uh, Juana's Pagodas in Vara, Florida, when she was supposed to pick up her daughter. Authorities found the car. Um, Let's see. It's not really saying anything about uh, the body being found. It says you'll be able to watch the news conference here once it begins at 3 p.m. Okay, it's it, the, the press conference is going. I'm going to try and turn it on. It's saying the body was found in a shallow grave. So yeah. apparently the, you folks were, um, were correct about this, um, that uh, the body of Cassie Cawley, we don't uh, – uh, we don't have any other information but uh, that they found the body in Birmingham. Folks are saying that it was um, tracked there by her cell phone. We can't confirm that. Uh, I'm listening to it now, Billy. It's They're saying Cassie's body yeah, found in a shallow grave. Like they went over 1,500 miles in this investigation. Can, can you bring up that? Uh, uh, I, well, it's actually it's copyrighted at this point. Okay. You can't bring up a live newscast. So okay. I, I would all right, so then I'm not going to uh, even listen to it then, uh, volume-wise. So, folks, we'll, uh, uh, you know, what the saddest thing that possibly could happen just occurred. Yeah, it, it's they, really uh, sad. And uh, just God bless her and her family. Uh, it's terrible. Um, we kind of knew this was going to end this way, Bill. You and I were both of the opinion that, uh, you know, with all the stuff that we saw on this case, that this would be the uh, the tragic ending to it. Um, now, uh, I guess the police are going to have to continue their investigation and uh, continue crime scene uh, to maybe, you know, put evidence together to, uh, I mean, it's obviously linked to Marcus. It's, it's not a, uh, you know, it's not a uh, big stretch here. Uh, we all know, uh, you know, 
Uh, we all felt very comfortable that it was going to be him that would be responsible for her disappearance. Now, uh, you know, they have to put forward a case, charge him and be able to prove it in a, a court of law beyond a reasonable doubt. And I think that one of the other things is they're going to, going to uh, you know, put all the pieces of uh, what happened together and be able to lay out the story of what they believe occurred. We're going to come up with a cause of death, the manner of death, I'm sure, uh, based on the autopsy. Um, again, very sad. Very sad for that little girl uh, and uh, sailor. And, and it's very sad for that family. They, they just, they really look like nice people. Um, this, uh, this abuser, this, uh, this animal, uh, he, uh, he did something very dastardly, obviously. Yeah. You know, folks, so you want to put, uh, we were all not, uh, we're hoping for a positive outcome to this. If you want to put prayer emojis in the chat, uh, you know, I we don't know specifically where in Alabama, but uh, it's probably near Birmingham, uh, which is where um, where Marcus lived, and um, just the horrendous um, ending of this. And uh, you know, we we cover these cases and we've worked these type of cases, and based on all the things that we were seeing, things we were hearing early on. The evidence early on, we didn't uh, have a lot of hope that uh, that this case was going to uh, end in a uh, have a happy ending. I'll put it that way. You know, absolutely, uh, Billy. It's 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 very sad. It's very unfortunate that uh, our experience with these type of things in law enforcement, with all the years that we've been in law enforcement, uh, our instincts took us right to where we are today. We kind of. Uh, you know, we were hoping, you know, there's always hope. There's always an outside chance. But, uh, you know, everything that we know about law enforcement and investigation, we uh, we kind of felt that this was how it was going to wind up ending. And uh, I, I got to say, though, the, the public's help in, uh, in uh, you know, publicizing this and, and giving the tips and everything uh, that may have led to, uh, you know, the, uh, the recovery of her remains. So uh, let's just... Uh, Again, we'll keep them in our thoughts and prayers, and like you said, emojis in the uh, in the chat with prayers. Uh, that's what this family's going to need right now. Uh, Angel Don uh, Moya, thank you so much for the five dollars super chat, folks. Thank you guys so much for your support during the coverage of this case. Um, these are tough cases to cover uh, because we know, based on our past experience, that potentially the outcome is not going to be a happy one. And, uh, unfortunately that's the way this ended i think they from what i'm what i read i don't know if it's true they recovered the body yesterday so you can see how uh closed mouth they've been if that is in fact true uh if it was recovered yesterday and they've kept it um kept it quiet for this long andrew two ladies died from horrific violence on woman it has to stop cassie and naomi it's sad 100 it's sad um, Billy, I'm, I'm going to venture to say that probably the cell phone uh, fingerprint that I spoke about earlier probably led to where they were able to uh, recover her remains. Um, I don't know that for a fact. It could have been a tip. It could have been a lot of things. Somebody could have stumbled upon it. But, uh, you know, that that was one of the things that we were pretty, you know, we were certain on because we had those text messages that he was sending, uh, which we believed to be not from her, fictitious. The family was raised up about that right away. So the cell phone was active and that cell phone would have tracked where he, his movements more if he had the cell phone in his possession 
uh, or if it was in her purse, let's say, well, it wasn't in her purse because her purse was found, but if it was on her body. Um, so that cell phone was probably very key to this investigation. And uh, again, even if it was a tip, the cell phone being in possession of, in his possession, uh, it can show uh, what movements he made. If he tries to say he wasn't in the area where the body was found, his cell phone and her cell phone may uh, show that he was lying about that. So uh, obviously now at this point, we have to punch holes in anything he's going to say, prove the case against him. And uh, that's where it's going right now. Andrew, it's confirmed an autopsy tomorrow. The autopsy sure. would tell us a great deal of information. Uh, Aliki Demetrius, thank you for your um, prayer emojis. Arctic Cat, same thing. Boxing MMA, thanks, Sergeant Bill. And Detective Phil, always appreciate your knowledge and information on the case and your knowledge in law enforcement. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, Mearship, they recovered the body on Friday. I, I don't. I, I think it was yesterday, Mearship. They had to identify her body from a tattoo. But once they do make an identification from a tattoo, they can also identify it in other ways, DNA, yeah. uh, dental that records, right. uh, things like that. So that's just one way. Linda Cosma. Thank you so much for the $10 super sticker. Thank you guys for supporting and um, joining so Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories, guys. We really appreciate it. Uh, Cassidy Wright, he threw her mobile away, but it also took her to the body. Wow, you know, that's uh, that's tremendous. We talk about things that talk, still talk after your death. And one of those things, if it turned, this turns out to be true, was a cell phone. And another thing, of course, will be the evidence. We'll talk about what happened to her even after uh, her death, you know, and just um, just horrendous, just horrendous. Um, uh, Suman Sri, I'm glad Sailor has her maternal family waiting with loving arms. I heard you guys say the charges look disturbing and tampering and destroying of evidence is not a good sign. Sad, but turns out to be true. Yes, it uh, was 100% true. And, um, you know, and we hate to say, look, we're not trying to be geniuses here and say, well, we told you so, right? Because no, of course not. I hate when people say, I told you so, but we're just giving you what the evidence leads us to believe early on, you know. Uh, Linda Cosma, Marcus didn't bother to turn off the phone. Thus, the psychopath screws himself. Well, let's hope that is the case, you know. Um, he was using the phone to try and lay out an alibi for himself and to put the police in another direction. He didn't want the police looking for her where she eventually her remains would be found. He wanted uh, the police to go into that other area. I think it was called uh, uh, Destin. And, uh, you know, that's really what it was about. So even though you're right, he was stupid to keep the phone on, but that was part of his plan to, uh, you know, alert the family like, yeah, she's okay. The phone broke. The car broke down. She's going to stay with him. It was all BS, as we know. And he wanted to put the police in another direction. That's what he told the police initially, that she wanted to go to De uh, Destin. And, uh, you know, that was obviously to throw the police off, to lead them in, the, in another direction. Um, so that's probably why he kept the phone on. Uh, he knew that there was going to become, you know, he knew that she was close with her family. He knew that she had friends uh, that she would be communicating with. So uh, he was using that in an attempt to try and make an escape, I guess, and to throw the police off. So uh, obviously wasn't successful, didn't work, but uh, it's not going to unfortunately bring her back. It's just a terrible situation. 
Thomas Cusinelli, former member of the service. Good afternoon, men, not a rocket scientist. Andrew, police officers used um, to this, but when you're off the beat, it becomes more personal and painful to watch what people are doing to women and children. You just feel helpless. That's for sure. Arctic Cat, rest in eternal peace. Cassie, your daughter, your family and friends are in our hearts, our thoughts, and our prayers for sure. Real with Robo. Thanks again for the final super chat. May God wrap his arms around Cannon and Phil, even with all their experience, they're still hit hard. Lord, please be with them and all of our loved ones. Well, thank you, Will Real with Robo. That's very kind of you. Billy, it's we true because I felt uh, distress when Gabby Petito was found and we felt distress when we talked about the Summer Wells case. And even this case, it's only a day or two that we're on it. Uh, but you, you start to get personally... Uh, connected to uh, the victim, and that happened when I was on the job with uh, you know investigations. You 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 do so much background and information, and you get information from the family on the victim, and you 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 almost feel like you know them, and you get personally connected to it. And it's very sad, uh, you know, to to have this ending. But uh, once in a while, we do get uh, a happy ending to a case, and we applaud those. Um, the only good oh, thing. Oh, Phil, we had that young girl in Australia. Yes, I, that's right. That I was, was recovered. That was an amazing, yeah. amazing thing. And we almost were like, oh, no, there's no way. And they found her alive after, what yes. was it, like three weeks? Yes, it was a, it was a period, period of, time. of time. And they found her alive. And we were like, it was almost like we had worked the case ourselves. We were so yeah. happy, but we almost couldn't believe that it happened, that she yeah. was alive, you know? Yeah, exactly. But uh, listen, the one good thing that came out of us is that sailor is safe and sound she has a loving family behind her she's going to need them and we were really really concerned when we heard that he still had custody of that child after all the things that went on in the last few days from last sunday so that's a a good positive thing um the family listen they're going to grieve they're going to suffer they're going to have to go through a process i always say that there's no final closure that's that's just a word um that you try to you know comfort people with. But uh, the only thing I feel with situations like this is that as days go on, you're just able to deal with a little bit more each day. Uh, the only closure would be having uh, Cassie back safe and sound. So, uh, but uh, the fact that the person who did it is going to be brought to justice, um, that's somewhat uh, of, of a closure, I would imagine. But uh, the real closure is only if you get that person back. So I think you have to uh, just be able to go through the grieving process and everybody grieves differently. And, uh, you know, that let, let's keep that family and that little girl in our prayers. Folks, I just want to say something that I have to. Um, uh, a Brighton Dunkley, yes, she, they have found her in a shallow grave. I believe it was in, in Alabama, Birmingham. Uh, we don't have all the facts because it went live while we were on the air. Just horrendous. But I just want to give a shout out to law enforcement on the amazing job they did on this case. That's the local police, uh, it's Santa Rosa County, Florida police, uh, the FBI, and all the other law enforcement agencies that we may not even know worked on this case. Of course, the TBI from Tennessee. Absolutely. Uh, all of these folks, they do a thankless job uh, in this day and age where there's been this mini war on law enforcement. I think law enforcement needs to be praised when they do an amazing job like this because they're sure criticized when they make mistakes, you know. 
So I just want to shout out to all of them. Just an unbelievable, unbelievably uh, competent, more than competent, just uh, outstanding job. Um, Gina G, not the outcome that was wanted, praying for the family and sailor that they may comfort one another and know many prayers are being sent their way. 100%. Candy Scarrett, I love your show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Christine Michelle, thank you for telling us all. I'm so sorry to her family and friends. Blessing to law enforcement officers. You know, Phil, I don't think there's much more that um, at this point that, that we could say. You know, I think that, uh, you know, I, I think we did a pretty good job covering this. And um, unfortunately, the ending is is horrible. And, um, uh, you know, maybe we'll come on another day about this or talk about the domestic violence connection with this and how we can uh, better advise people in the future if they're involved in a situation like this, but you somewhat feel hopeless and helpless when something like this happens, you know? You know, Billy, I read the comments of the show we did last night. And uh, one of the comments, uh, a young lady commented that her father told her if she's ever involved in a relationship where there's violence to turn away and not look back. I want to really drill down on that. If you are involved in a relationship that's supposed to be loving and you find someone that's possessive or insecure or violent, don't walk away, run away and don't look back. I think that those words of advice from that young lady's father were very, very good words of advice. Um, if you're in a committed relationship and somebody shows signs of insecurity, possessiveness, jealousy, jealousy, what that's unwarranted or God forbid violence, there's something off with that person. There's something uh, not right. Get away from them. Like that uh, young lady said, her father said, turn around and don't look back. Run away. Get away and do not look back. Uh, we had uh, two, two ladies on last week. We talked about domestic violence. One was a domestic violence survivor. The other one was a doctor uh, that was a uh, an advocate. Criminal justice, for, yeah, yeah. Criminal, criminal justice. justice advocate. Anyway, um, the one thing that the uh, that the domestic violence victim, the point that she made was that she felt sorry for the person who was abusing her. Um, that's not the time. To, when you see these signs, it's not a time to feel sorry for that person. It's time to get away. Uh, you know, we don't want anybody to suffer domestic violence. It's just unacceptable, uh, male or female, to have a partner a loved one put their hands on you. That is not acceptable. It's uh, something that shouldn't be tolerated. And again, I'm going to echo those words of advice. Don't walk away. Run away and don't look back. For sure. Folks, this has been um, Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories with myself, Bill Cannon, and Phil Grimaldi. Have a great day. Be safe, everyone. One episode, just ain't enough.